Sensor Global saves lives with automatic compliance and manages smoke alarms, gas and water leak detection with 24-7 remote management. It provides complete control, reduced risks and improved compliance for property managers. To find out more, speak to Anthony Booth or head over to sensorglobal.com. Today, I am really excited to have someone um, that is not working actively in property management, but is going to come with a little bit of a different perspective um, for property managers today. And that is Madeline Roberts from Madeline Roberts Property. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ashley. Now, first podcast for you. So I'm really excited to share this experience with you. And uh, I hope there'll be many more. I'm sure there will be. But um, you, your profile says that you are a property advocate and evaluator in training, and yes. you hold ten plus years of professional and personal property experience. So, if I know you started and I started quite young, and yes. I think I got this from TikTok because you do have a fantastic following on TikTok. I think you've got around eight thousand followers. So, those that aren't following on TikTok, head over to Madeline Roberts Property and check that out as well. Um, but the you started quite young. So talk us through your experience from a personal and a professional point of view. Okay, sure. So I actually started as a weekend receptionist in a little boutique agency on the Mornington Peninsula where I'm from when I was 14. So that was my first job. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I, did, I was like Saturday, Sunday whilst... During the week, I was at school. So that's where I started. And then up until I was 18, I did a little bit of that. And then I did some sales assisting. And then when I turned 18, I went into a, I wanted to begin sales. I feel like, you know, you think, oh, flashy real estate sales. That's where I wanted to be. I went for a few different jobs, but I was also very mindful that nobody was really going to give their house to sell to an 18 year old. So I wasn't delusional. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, so that anyway, I went for a few different interviews and I landed a property management assistant role and I thought, well, it's not really what I want to do, but I'm just going to do it. And then I started now, doing can I it. I just stop you there? That's like the classic, um, that's a classic intro for every single property manager that enters property management. Didn't really yes. want to do it, but just fell into it. Yeah. I think, I think the, more, like most of the best jobs that people have, they tend to just fall into them been my experience anyway. So I was a property management assistant and um, we had, it was, it was a very small agency. It was in a place called Capel Sound. It was previously Rosebud West. If you're in Victoria, you'd know where it is. It's um, It's gone through gentrification, but it used to be just like, not, it didn't used to have a very good name at all. But um, the senior property manager was leaving after six months and they were looking, actively looking to find a senior property manager. I was 18. I was an assistant property manager. I had six months experience. So I didn't really know, you know, I was just going along for the ride, but I was enjoying it. But I was like to my boss at the time, can I do it? And he was like, okay, yeah, I don't see why not. So next minute they're training me up to manage the whole department because I was going to have an assistant. I had to do the trust accounting, you know, and that's a pretty big deal. So I, it was either like sink or swim. And I love that mentality because that's when you're really going to thrive. And I did, I really enjoyed it. I was doing trust accounting, VCAT preparation and presentation, and I was loving it. Um, so that's kind of where I started professionally. 
And from there, I held, um, you know, senior roles at a couple of different agencies. And then I was um, a rental department manager for a different company. And then I, I did leave in 24, uh, when I was 24 uh, so I could uh, for maternity leave. So I had a few years off thereafter. But um, And on, on a personal level, I, I purchased my first house when I was 18. Um, again, that was in Rosebud. And I just think I've always had this real pull towards property because for me, property equals security. That's that's what that's what I think. So um, that's it's just how I feel. So it was really important for me to get my foot in the real estate market more so than traveling. Uh, and you know, everyone it, when you're young, you want to go to Europe and you want to sightsee. And don't get me wrong, I've done a little bit of travel, but very minimal because for me, getting my roots into the ground was so much more important. And then um, I was like, I really, I don't know, I just I really aspired to be like some other people that I saw and these were actually like grown men but at the, at the time you know but they were they had large property portfolios and to me that just was so so inspiring so then when I was 19 I um did get another property as well and that I, I sat with that for a little bit but um yeah during that time I also helped set up a rental department for a buyer's advocacy in St Kilda and this is when buyer's advocacy I, did, I hardly knew what it was. That was, yeah, it was it was totally brand new thing back then. And um, yeah, so then I also had maternity leave for a few years with my first child. Um, I felt it was important to stay at home with her. I I had this vision that I would take time off, maybe twelve months, and then jump straight back into the nine to five, and then some of property management, which is just it was just not going to happen. So. Did that. I I did apply when I was younger to Deakin University to become a property valuer. And uh, at the time, though, I ended up, I got in, but then at the time I I pulled back from that because I had to pay my mortgages. So they were a really, obviously, like I I didn't have the freedom to study and work part-time, et cetera, because I had to focus on those things. But then um, over the past year, I got back into um, working for a property valuer. I've been really enjoying that. So I've been studying. I'm nearly a sworn valuer. And then I started this TikTok like last September and I was just starting it to see if people would end up, uh, like if I could drive valuations to the property valuation company I work for. But I gained so much traction so quickly. Like I was really surprised. There was, in the beginning, it was like when I'm actively working on it, you know, as you would know with TikTok, you really need to put out the content. And if you put it out, the algorithm favors you. Um, So when I started gaining traction quite quickly, people were reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you purchase property for me? And I was like, I said to my, I I think I was talking to my mom one day and I was like, yeah, that like there's, I've had a couple of people want me to purchase property for them, but I don't know. And she was like, why why would you not? And I was like, I don't know. And then it's, it's led me to that and I, I'm loving it. I'm actually, it's probably one of the best jobs I've ever done. So I'm really, really loving the buyers advocacy side of things. I got my full license and yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. And just out of curiosity, is there um, a reason, like I love the word buyers advocacy and I use the word investor advocacy um, as well, um, only because for me, 
I am not really interested in the first home buyers and the people buying their own home. It's more the investor side. Um, is there a reason why you use buyer's advocacy versus buyer's agent? It just, is it just a preference or? Yeah, I'm actually not sure because they do mean the same thing. I grew up, like, as I said, I worked for a buyer's advocate. So they were a buyer's advocate. That's what they were called. But I've been seeing lately on, especially TikTok, a lot more of the word buyer's agent being thrown around. And I actually am unsure. I, I'm happy to go by both. But um, yeah, they are the same thing. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I wasn't sure if there's any specific reason yeah. for that. Um, yeah. Let's just touch on um, TikTok for a little bit because yeah. it's such an interesting platform and I have been lucky that I've just had a few random posts that have gone really well, um, And but it is hit and miss and like, and I don't love it, so I'm not consistent, so I need to be better at that um, like yourself but it's um is that so it's really interesting that you said that that's where you got a lot of interest from as well and I guess it's a reminder to property managers out there that um it is everyone harps on about it it is a very promising platform to start dabbling in it, it is I think it's it's absolutely crazy that the potential's out there I mean you have like 11,000 followers on there don't you yeah and you're saying you know you're not even act like you know really consistent on there. Imagine if you were consistent. I like yeah. it, it. I think so. The algorithm favors if you could post three to five times a day. So I try to at least post once a day. Sometimes it's three times a day. But I notice when I do post more that I have more videos that go you know semi-viral. And there's just so much business that comes from it these days. And I think it's because it's a place of education. So you know it's these short form videos that just spit out information and education. So people go on there to learn about all different things. And obviously, if you're in somebody's feed that wants to learn about what you're doing, it, 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 you know, it's pushing you out towards people that are looking in the property market, you know, and so they're picking it up and then you're a familiar face for them. So of course, they're going to reach out to you. I just think it's, it's not a platform to sleep on. That's for sure. Is it, and the clients that you're getting from there, are you finding that they're a younger generation or not necessarily? No, not necessarily, which is the interesting thing. And I do see the analytics and I can see that, you know, majority of my TikTok viewers are younger people. And I suppose that's because mostly young people use the platform, but I've had more older people than younger people. And when I say older, I just mean I'm talking like more people, let's say 35, 40 plus reach out to me to use my services than younger people. So if they're they're looking to be educated and looking for services. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Inspect Real Estate, or IRE, is an Australian-based software company that is passionate about creating quality, customised solutions for agents, tenants, buyers, and property owners, designed by agents for agents, because we care. IRE has now processed more than 108 million inquiries and is currently being used by thousands of industry leaders. There are many time-saving products from booking and managing inspections within our flagship product ROL, creating and managing applications with ToApply and AppChecker, and tracking keys with Keyware, through to listing on Inspect Real Estate's free property portal, Tenant App, plus so much more. Visit inspectrealestate.com.au or give us a call on 1300 934 721. 
Yeah, and I think it's really important to also know because, like, my kids are on TikTok. My mm-hmm. kids wouldn't see on their For You page stuff <laughs> like buyer's advocacy because yeah. they're not interested in that. They're only going to see their stuff. So I guess that's probably where a lot of people, there's a bit of a myth around it is that, yeah, there's young people. But, yeah, like I said, yeah. my 15-year-old won't be seeing your stuff and um, it's oh. only the, the the more mature people that will see it. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think that there's two types of people on TikTok. I think there's a lot of people on TikTok. They just don't admit they are. So there's 35 yeah. to 40-year-old people. They're scrolling. They're looking. Yes, yes. <laughs> No, my husband's even one of them. He's like, TikTok's ridiculous. But then every now and then I see him going through. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? Like, so, and, and my partner, he's he, he's on TikTok as well. And yeah. I know because sometimes he goes, oh, I saw that on TikTok. And I'm like, that's where <laughs> I saw it. So I um, saw this thing on TikTok where it had a, um, they were making like strawberries with the melted Cadbury chocolate, but they melted the chocolate in the Cadbury bag in the microwave. So I thought, great, easy. Like I'll do that for the kids for dessert the yeah. other night. And um, except the stupid video on TikTok missed the part where it says that you submerge the chocolate packet in a bowl of water, boiling water, and then you put it in the microwave. I missed wow. that bit. They cut that bit out of edited oh. out of the video. So I just put the the whole block of chocolate in the microwave and then the microwave started sparking up because of the oh, no. writing on the um on the packet. So that was my little peed off moment from content creators <laughs> who miss out a very crucial part of the video. They me. Multiple videos, like first, you know what I mean? To get make sure they're across everything. Yeah. <laughs> and if I was a 15-year-old, I'd probably go and put some hate on that video to say you missed out that part, but I'm go, mature go and I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Any hate on TikTok? I have, I have had a bit of hate on TikTok, um, and I, um, oh, I'm thick-skinned. I honestly couldn't. I, I, I look and I, I do laugh, but I just think, who has the time? And I think, sorry, but you must be really miserable if you want to sit there and be naked. You know what I mean? But it's, it's out there. Especially, I find because I'm in the property industry. Do you find that as well? Yes, absolutely. It, that's all it is about. Um, and I, I actually don't read the comments, and I certainly don't comment on the comments either. So I think when you do get hate, that's the biggest thing. And if I like, there was once where I took a couple of days, I didn't look at anything, and then like it was just eating me alive. And I said to my partner, "Can you believe that they, you know, said this and this? How dumb are they?" And I was having a rant. He goes, "Ash." you promise that if you're going to start posting stuff, you're not going to be reading or looking at the negative comments. So I was oh, like, right. <laughs> so I just now um, don't look at But The hardest thing for me was like with my kids, my kids yeah. at the very start, they saw the negative stuff and they were like, mum, why are they saying that? And then they started, like my 14-year-old who's a mini-me, she started piping in, you know, oh, and I was like, no, no, Mill, just leave it. Honestly, it's it's uneducated people. Like, um, you know, just it's I'm okay, I'm fine. Yeah. But that probably is the hardest part is when your children see it. But I think my children have probably got me blocked now, or they don't even follow me, so they don't see anything. I've got four and um one, so I'm not yet at that hurdle but that's that's a complex one to manage for sure it is yeah but I don't, they don't really care for my stuff so it's probably a bit easier anyway they think I'm you know cringy so and I always remind my 14 year old that I've got more followers than her <laughs> on TikTok when she thinks that I'm that I'm cringy <laughs> 
really cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The rest of Australia does, uh, just not her little group. Um, so yeah, but it's um, the, um, the the positive thing is that negative comments does make your posts perform really well. It does. That's why. Do you know what? I feel like I start getting the negative posts. I actually think yes, 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 because the more um, what's the word? Like the more, I can't think of the word, but the more people, are uh, like triggered by your post, the yeah. more likely out a comment. And when I see those comments come through, I'm like, this one's going to do well. So I literally do not care. I'm always like, I actually used to comment back to some of them asking questions. Like you think question mark, because the angrier they are, the more passionate they are. So the more comments that keep coming and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually read something and, and please note to those listening, I've never done this in my life, but I have heard um, of people that actually set up fake accounts so they can put hate on, like so that you can put hate on your own post to start oh. triggering that. It's actually a thing. So that it makes me, I, I feel like people see the rude comments they feel like like they're more behind some sort of screen even more so and they're like yeah I'll jump on that too so I can I can imagine that I see that yeah yeah but um I haven't got to that point yet of needing to but uh, people just hate naturally <laughs> well they, they, hate, they hate property managers I should say me they hate property managers generally um so what I we've gone completely off topic with TikTok <laughs> TikTok's fun, but let's just go into um, some stuff that what I wanted to actually chat to you about today was sort of as that buyer's advocate and then yep. as a property manager. I think property managers naturally just go through the um, transaction side of managing a property. You know, they do the rent, they do the inspections. They yep. don't necessarily have a holistic look at landlords and um, and the potential that landlords have got. And I guess they just wanted to open up the listeners minds a little bit in regards to this um and you know ironically today I've got my first um investor um zoom set up where and I've got oh gosh I think I've got about 40 booked in just for this month I've just done it on one portfolio as a trial and I've actually invited my landlords to have an annual um check-in with me and so in that annual check-in um number one it's a really good opportunity for the landlord to vent any concerns they've got you know with the management if um there has been anything that hasn't like if the communication hasn't been up to scratch if they um have any just concerns about the amount of maintenance on the property um but it allows me to also double check that have they got a um, depreciation schedule how they're going with their smoke alarms checks um you know look at their maintenance over the year is it normal if they haven't spent any money on maintenance should they considering putting some money aside for some renovations um the other thing that I want to check is that they're how they're going financially and actually physically saying how you're going financially you know with your payments and the rent return is the rent return um you know enough at the moment or is there room for us to increase but having that um one-on-one conversation I've allocated half an hour I think is um don't get me wrong it's time consuming I'm just trialing it this month um but I think it's the only way to physically get a hold of the investor and have that conversation with them about how their journey's going and um and do they want to consider getting a second property how can I help you get that so that is a very holistic approach I've, I've like 
I do. I have heard of like, you know, annual call-ins and things like that, but really scheduling like a Zoom and to get into those nitty-gritty questions, I think that's excellent. At least that's very, like, I'd be so happy with that service personally if I was a landlord. Yeah, and I think as well it's about filling up that landlord's cup and um, that's the, the analogy that I've got. And if there happens to be little hiccups along the way with a landlord with something that the property manager's done, um, that's you know, not a big drama, but because their landlord's cups full so much, these little tiny things that sometimes can happen won't be as obvious. But if you don't fill up your landlord's cup and those little things happen all the time, once it gets, you know, to the bottom, they're out. Yeah, they'll take the cup elsewhere. So that's actually, that's amazing. I think that's such a good idea. I'll take, so I think I would encourage property managers to do that. But the only issue is in some agencies, I feel as though they don't have the numbers, like from a director's point of view, they're not managing the numbers correctly with their property managers. So they wouldn't have the time, but that's the added benefit of managing numbers that are within, you know, your ability. So then you're able to do those check-ins. Like, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess what I wanted to speak to you is, do you feel that there is, um like at what point could a property manager be crossing the line with mm. that advice and discussion and get to a point where they've got to say, listen, I would love to put you in touch with a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate yeah. who can maybe help you get to that point. So I know I'm sort of throwing you under the bus with that question, but what's your from, from your point of view, yeah. where do you think that line um can be crossed and when would be the best point to suggest that they go down that road of um yeah of employing someone like yourself so what i would suggest is it's really okay to ask these questions and to find out where they want to be and what they want to do and what their goals are um but you can i think it's okay to speak generally about what others are doing and other landlords in the area and how they're maximizing value um but perhaps if you want to give any advice i think the best thing um and perhaps all property managers really should do this or bdms is have a very strong network and list of referrals that you can pass on and whether that's a buyer's advocate a broker um a financial advisor, just have a strong list there. And then it will also become a part of your package in a sense. So when people, if I was a landlord and you gave me the contact details for a really good buyer's advocate or a really good mortgage broker and I had an excellent experience with them, I am going to um, relate that experience back to you because you've given me those details so then when I think of you like that's that's a package do do you know what I'm saying so I I would feel really really satisfied that not only am I having a really good experience with you as my property manager but I've had an excellent experience with these other people that you've referred to me so I think having a really strong list of like a network and referrals that you can pass along I think is really important I like that. And actually, I'm just writing some notes down because what some ideas for property managers could do is um, potentially like getting that network. That's probably absolutely the first thing to do. So we've got a buyer's advocate, we've got a finance broker, we've got a um, potentially a settlement agent, we've got a financial advisor. Um, And then you could, as a property manager, you could potentially even create little Zoom interviews where you then do a little interview with someone like yourself and then 
you can um, send that to all your clients to say, hey, um, for those that are interested in building a portfolio, um, here is a, a little interview or here's a little chat that I had with Madeline. And, um, and it can be a bit of a soft intro to get them thinking that they might want to go down that road. And doing the same with like a finance broker could be a really good way of introducing that network to yeah. um, to their clients and getting them familiar with the right yeah. people. So I think that's a fantastic um, yeah. idea is getting that network first. And I just think like that's just adding so much value to your job as the property manager because you've just like there's so much value surrounding that and what you're providing, that level of service you're providing your landlord. You're going so much further and beyond just you know, the day-to-day basics. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, and we talk a lot about value-add in property management um, and I guess this is just showcasing that the value-add doesn't necessarily have to come from um, like us personally, it just comes from our network. So utilising that network um, is, um, yeah, really a really easy thing for people to do. So I think great tip. Now, um, my so we've talked about how property managers can identify or help landlords wanting to build their portfolio. So that is either setting up those one-on-one chats, um, mm-hmm. creating that network, creating those webinars and videos for clients um, and sending them off. Um, the other thing that I wanted to chat with you about was um, what are some of the common challenges or misunderstandings that arise with landlords wanting to build a portfolio? Like, are you seeing any landlords potentially jumping in too early into the process? Um, or like, should they have a an existing property that is um, super tidy, performing, you know what I mean? No, with no, uh, or are you seeing people like not care about headaches just, you know, maximizing their um, loanability value. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely two different mindsets out there, and I do think that like the savvy investors, they they do care about things being tidy before jumping onto another property. But I think most are number focused, if I'm honest. So it, it's really just how's this one performing, and then going to the next one. Yeah. Um, but I do see I'm um, part of a like investor chat group. I think you would be too. And I, I've seen people a, a, a lot, a lot of people that think that when they've got multiple properties or they want to have more properties, that they should self manage. And that for me is like, don't go there. That's just my. That's so. That's the only thing that I think like that's like the biggest warning sign for me. Do you know what I mean? And I would tell anyone any day of the week. Do not self-manage. Even when I was a property manager, I think I tried it for a little bit and I was just like, I was a property manager and it's just, just don't do it. It's so much safer being with an agent. So that's kind of the only thing for me that I think is the biggest warning. I don't even self-manage my own property. I've got this um, house, which is about an hour out of Perth. And yes, I could do it myself. Yeah. No, I'm going to use the local agent up there. And do you know what? I mean, they sent me their fees, which were a bit more expensive than I was expecting. I was like, Ash, don't be one of those landlords that ask for a discount. Just pay whatever they're charging. And I pay their fee schedule. I pay for them to do it. And honestly, it's like a, it's like a chef that doesn't want to cook when they get home. I don't want to yeah. cook my own property. No, very much involved. And I think land, some landlords don't understand that. So the landlords that are really number-driven, they might just see that as an, as an unnecessary number, but it would be very silly to do so. And um, I've seen other people, you know, they say 
oh, I've been quoted like, you know, 7.7%. That feels a bit expensive. And, and other people have said like, you know, are you looking for 6.6? Because it's a difference of a couple of coffees like a week. Yeah. And the service could be so much better quality. So just, yeah, don't be that person. I completely understand the numbers game. But when it comes to having somebody professional look after it for you, it's just invaluable. Yeah, it is. I saw a dumb comment the other day and I had to hold, you know, hold myself back from commenting yeah. on it. It was a guy that said um, oh, something like, um, since there's not that many good property managers in WA, I'm thinking of starting an agency you know, like it can't be that hard. And I'm like, oh my God, like now we've got, like we've we've had investors turn buyer's agents and now we've got investors thinking that they can do a better job and now wanting to own a real estate agent. And I'm like, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking things are good while they're good. Like, you know, if you've got a good tenant, sure, the job looks really easy. But if you get a shit tenant, like, oh my God, it's an absolute nightmare. Like we're even just like, we've got one that we're dealing with at the moment where um, the poor tenant is in, in a, an apartment where it's actually quite dangerous. There's been some drug deals she's been broken into. Like she's in a really feeling very, very unsafe. And her husband's a, a FIFO worker. And, you know, it's those crappy situations. And um, I had to call the owner last night and talk to her about it. And I just said, listen, legally, you know, this is the situation morally, this is the situation, you know, like I said, I'm going to leave it with you, you know, both options. I said, but morally, you know, I don't don't want something to happen to this lady. Like I feel, you know, and then releasing it's going to be really difficult knowing the situation. Um, And yeah, fortunately, this landlord was just like went down the moral road and um, let these tenants just vacate straight away without any penalty, which was great. But yeah, it's, um, it's those tricky situations that come up that you've got to handle that investors don't actually always see the behind the scene work that do. I think a lot it's like, well, you lease the property and then that's it and they'll transfer your money every week or month and it's just not that. There is so much more to it and so much you need to know. I actually am talking about like morally. I saw somebody the other day and they were saying, you know, their property manager wasn't being proactive. So this is another really important thing. Like I think you need to be so happy with your property manager and know that they're proactive and that they're working for you. This one had let rent increases slide for quite a few years. Now it turns out the property was undervalued by $200 per week. That's that's huge. But this tenant had been there for many years and was a really good tenant and he was like, what should I do? And I straight away said, you've said yourself he's a good tenant. I wouldn't be increasing more than $20 a week because just morally, it's just, you know, yes, it's a numbers game, but they're humans. You're dealing with humans and human beings. So like it goes back to that morally as well. But that's why if your property manager stays onto it too, it wouldn't get that far behind, you know? That's right. They wouldn't have noticed that $20 increase over the last couple of years. And then, and there was actually, there was a TikTok about this. So there was a lady on a landlord who had increased the rent. I can't remember how much, but let's just say she increased it $150. But she had also, so she increased it $150 a week. However, she hadn't increased it for three years or something like that. And during COVID, and she yeah. was like, do you know what? I actually have not increased it for three years. I could have been charging more and now yeah. it's all caught up. So I'm not really the asshole here because you know what I mean? They've actually saved yeah. money. I was like, good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So it's um, very, very interesting. It's all about perception though, isn't it? But yes. the, um, one thing, like are you seeing any red flags that mm-hmm. might indicate a landlord is taking on too much risk with their portfolio? Is there ever a situation where you might say like to someone who wants to buy, listen, I don't know if this is for you. Like I, pro- I mean probably not, but has there been a situation yeah. like Look, there hasn't been personally, and I think that's because um, before I do take on a client, you know, they need to have approval and things like that. They deal with their broker, some of them a financial advisor, and I do feel as though that's out of my, um, like, realm of being able to tell them what's right and what's wrong. But if they're saying to me, I have had a client who was like, you know, we can afford this much. I think it was like one to 1.1. And then um, it was up to like 1.2. And I found a property that said they they could maybe go 1.3. So I did find something at 1.3, but I said to them, but like, don't push it. You know, I I don't, we can get you a nice property around that 1.1, 1.2. That's a very healthy budget for where they were looking. And do you really need to press that extra 100,000, especially if it's your primary place of residence? This person had, you know, a child and another baby on the way. So I did say to them, I I don't think it's a good idea you take on that much extra. And they didn't, they didn't have their heart set on the property either, but I just didn't want to, you know, take this one. This looks good. I know you're going to be, it's going to be a little bit tricky for you, but just take it, take it. I would never, I would never want to do that or encourage that. No. And I guess that's where the fine line comes in, doesn't it? With regards to the professional and the personal side of things. Um, You said something before, which I love and I use, I've used it before as well, but referring to what other people do. So when these questions, you know, come up and if you're unsure if you're overstepping a personal or a professional boundary, um, sometimes actually like instead of saying I would you know what I mean I wouldn't using the word I but saying my my other clients or my other investors probably would tread a little bit carefully with this situation or my other investors or my other clients would probably be more inclined to do this and take the focus off a personal point and um you mentioned that before which I was meant to um not you should or I think you should you know it's just look I know something else and this is what they did so it's like that's one thing I did love, like when uh, when I was like a department manager, I love that management side of things and it, it just to manage things gently and, you know, that's a part of it. You can't, I think you've got, you've got to be really soft and gentle when you are managing because you can't say, if I was you, this is what I would do because you just can't. <laughs> No, it doesn't go down well. So, so then the um the I get yeah I guess from a property manager, there's going to be property managers listening to this that probably feel the same. But um, helping clients build a portfolio is definitely going down the road of getting pers- not personally involved, but sort of personally involved yeah. in the personal financial situation as well. And so drawing that line is very um careful. You know, you've got to be very careful in doing that um and you know but I actually think it's okay to say to a client how are you going with your mortgage repayments are they you know do you need to speak to a finance broker to you know potentially um to potentially just get it assessed to make sure you're on the best rate or um, you know that type of thing and like that's what you talked about that network of um, people to refer to um I think that they are actually okay questions to have um as well with clients um one of the red flags that I am I don't I think I would call it a red flag or I'd probably be careful um 
you know, talk, oh, I probably wouldn't be bothered talking to an owner about getting another property, um, is those that are real painful when it comes to maintenance. So I agree with oh. you. Um, I think a lot of um, people buying at the moment are numbers focused. So I think that they will just keep on buying to maximize their loan capacity or borrowing capacity. Um, but gosh, they're a pain in the butt when it comes to maintenance, some of these oh, people. Some are dreadful. And like the ones who are Mr. Do It themselves or Mrs. Do It themselves. So it's like electrical, I'll call over. No, you can't do that. Like plumbing, I'll call over. Like, and it's like pretty much a bit of sticky tape over something like, and then do you know what? It's really challenging is obviously as a uh, property manager, it's your job to educate them and say like, no, you need to do this. But then there's this perception, especially on places like TikTok, where people are really putting down property managers for the way properties are presented when you can only do so much and no matter how much you push your landlord and you tell the landlord, there's there's some things that you actually can't do. And do you, so I, I'm just dabbling into that. My mind just went elsewhere. But um, You're probably yeah. thinking of Purple Pinger. Oh, don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you guys get hit more with him than what we do in WA. He leaves WA. He's done Melbourne base. Yeah, he's done a few. Um, in um, he's done a few in WA, but he's mainly Melbourne. Yeah, I just see those, and it's just a lot of it. It's I I do see the his point of view though, because some of them I see and I'm, I gasp because some are unlivable, some are crazy, but some you can't like as a property manager, you can only push and do your best so much. You can't be. Like you can contact the property, the landlord as many times as possible, but you can't be at their house every day of the week saying, fix it, fix it, fix it. It just doesn't work like that. No, no, exactly, exactly. Wonderful. All right. Well, I mean, I think I might have to change this topic name to uh, TikTok do's and oh, oh my God, sorry. I hope I haven't got to. No, no, no. I love it. I love I love TikTok. And I told you before that like the, the, I love the conversation based style podcast. So for me, I think um, those that are listening like the general chit chat because it's yeah. just like you've got a friend in the car talking about real estate and TikTok, you know, as they're driving along. So um, so that is what people love. Um, but just to recap, I think yeah. um, a reminder for uh, property managers out there with their clients as, you know, go into this year trying not to be as transactional based and look at the value add, which really um, can be done easily. So that can be done easily by having a quick Zoom to check in with clients, even sometimes the process of just inviting clients to the Zoom. So I think out of maybe 120 clients, I might have had 40 people book. But the yeah. fact that I've invited is actually the really important part of the process as well, because that's seen as the value add. So that when it comes to um, to fees and things like that, um, clients are seeing that extra value. So that's the, the first tip for today. Um, the second tip is to create that network so people like Madeline advise agent I'm sure I'll speak on your behalf you'd probably be okay if someone was to call you up or message you and say hey can we do a little video for my clients something like that yeah 
So that is a real easy um, thing to be able to do and um, and do a video with, you know, someone like Madeline, do it with a finance broker, financial advisor, settlement agent. And throughout the year, that's already four or five videos that you'll be able to start spotting through or emailing through to your clients as a value add. Um, yes. So it gets them comfortable with that network. And then that also forms part of the education process as well. So um, when it comes to clients not wanting to do maintenance or um or having an you know thinking that they pay too much for fees or something like that um it's all about education and and making sure they know instead of like whinging about it turn that into well how can I teach my clients of the good value how can I teach them of all this like for me I'm I'm worth it Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we've got that responsibility to do that as well. So um, it has been lovely chatting with you and um, and I am sure we will speak again and I hope it wasn't too, now that you've done your first podcast, how was it? I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. How <laughs> it would be. Everyone that does their first one always says, oh, my God, can I do another one? Everyone <laughs> loves doing them. So, um, but, um, yeah, really good to chat with you. Head over for those that um, that have TikTok, head over to Madeline um, Roberts' property and check out um, her content there as well to get some inspiration um, and some confidence when it comes to to doing TikTok and reels and things like that. And if you do need um, some, some uh, or need, if you do need to speak to a buyer's agent, if you need to speak to uh, Madeline to get um, some support um, and how you can sort of work with your clients as well, I'm sure Madeline will be more than happy to chat to you all and to give you some guidelines and some help there. Of course. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. See ya. The team at The Grout Guy are leading experts in regrouting, waterproofing and tiling services nationwide. Property managers find comfort in their 10-year waterproof warranty on all full shower regrouts. Visit thegroutguy.com.au to rejuvenate your property's tiles and grout now.